Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being with me once again for Grace to All with Paul Gray. I have a passage that I want to talk to you about today that I've done some teaching on before, but it's just so good and seems to be so appropriate, at least for my life today, and I'm so excited about it that I want to share it with you. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 4 through 15, and it starts out by saying this, as Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. I know I touched a little bit on that last time, but it's such an important thing for us to know. Christ is our life. Most of us, uh, I read that, memorized it, and had no idea what it meant. But those of us who are coming to find out that Christ actually is our life are just amazed at the ramifications of that. And this verse says, as Christ appears, now he appears as us, living his life as us, then we also appear with him in glory. And of course, the companion verse for that is a little earlier in Colossians, Colossians 1.27. Christ is in you, embedded in you, the hope of glory. All right. So now knowing that that is true and not saying at all that I understand that or have grasped all of it, just on the very edge of it, but knowing that Christ is our life, and Christ is in us and living his life as us. Then verse 5 says, Consider the members of your body as dead and buried toward everything, one translation says, towards everything related to the porn industry, sensual uncleanness, longing for forbidden things, lust and greed, which are just another form of idol worship. Idol worship is worshiping a distorted image of yourself. Another version says, Put to death in your body, everything that has to do with fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, I probably am guilty of having used that passage before to rail about sin and tell people how to not sin. We don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go with girls that do, you know, all of those things. I don't think that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote that put to death. We've talked a little bit before of how death is simply, it's not a destination. It's simply a portal that we go through when we take our last breath in this life into the resuming of our life as a spirit being where we came from, one with the Father, with Jesus, with grace, whom we were one with as spirit beings before we came to earth. Now we're going back to our Genesis, where we came from. We'll have new bodies then. 
glorified bodies. I visualize that probably as uh, what we were like when we were around 30 years old at our prime physically, where there'll be no sickness, no death, no tears, nothing bad. So we get the opportunity to live like that right now. Put to death whatever it is that is not of love's kind in our life. Put to death now or turn away from or leave or not even have anything to do with things in our life that are not of love's kind, things that hurt ourselves and hurt other people. going to be different things for different people at different times in our life. It basically, as I mentioned in one of those translations, it's the mirror, idol worshiping is worshiping a distorted image of ourselves. All right, verse 6, Paul says, these distorted expressions are in total contradiction to God's design and desire for our life. When we have a distorted expression of our life, when we don't really don't know who we are and we don't live like who we really are at our core being, it goes against the really good life that God created for us to enjoy. The word desire there, these distorted expressions are in total contradiction to God's design and desire for your life. That word is translated from a Greek word, orge, O-R-G-E. Many times that's translated as wrath, and many times translators just take the liberty to insert God's wrath on us, on human beings, when the word has several different meanings. It really means any violent expression of emotion. Could be love, could be joy, could be anger, but it certainly doesn't have to be. And we know God is a God of love, so any violent expression of God is going to be love. Now, that love may come out as anger against anything that hurts us, but not as anger against us ourselves, our true being. Some translations, like the King James, say God will pour out his wrath on the sons of unbelief. Well, that phrase, the sons of unbelief, hmm, isn't there. It was just added later after the earliest manuscripts by some people who thought, all right, we got to translate that word as wrath, and we got to say who the wrath is against, so it's against people who don't believe. That's not true at all. Another version, the Passion, says it this way in Colossians 3.6. When you live in those vices, you ignite the anger of God against those acts of disobedience. And that's a much better translation, I think. God is not angry at us, but God does get angry at things that hurt us and hurt other people. That's actually an expression of God's white-hot love that actually inevitably, in the end, burns up anything in us that is not of love's kind. When we pass through that portal, we're going to carry with us baggage of maybe hate or lust or whatever, whatever thing that you can imagine. And if we have the mindset of, God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for those things. I don't want to do those things. I want what you want. His white hot love is going to be warm and soothing, and it's just going to burn away those things. If we have the attitude of, 
no, I like that. I want to be angry. I want to hold a grudge. I want to whatever. Then God's still going to burn those things up, but it's going to feel like hell when it happens because we're going to resist it. He's not punishing us. He's not mad at us, but he's going to cut out, cut away from us or burn up from us anything that's harmful. That's what radiation does with cancer. Radiation is not punishing us. It's not done in anger, but it's done with a vengeance against the cancer that's hurting us. Not us ourselves, but the cancer that's hurting us. All right, verse 7 of Colossians 3. Paul says, we were all once swept along in a lifestyle of lust and greed. Now, that's true, some of us more so than others. Many times we wouldn't characterize or we wouldn't say ourselves or admit that we're greedy or we have lust for something or someone else that's you know, not our spouse or something that we don't have that somebody else has, but we all have that to some extent. The Passion translates Colossians 3, 7 to 8 this way. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. And the companion verse there is Colossians 1, 21 that says, Once you thought you were enemies with God, you were enemies in your mind only because of your behavior. And we've been taught that by religion, that, oh, well, God's mad at us. Uh, We've made ourselves enemies of God because We lied or stole or cheated or whatever, and we think that we're enemies with God because of our behavior. But it's not true. It's never been true. We've never been enemies with God. Now it's time, Paul says, to eliminate those things from our lives once and for all. Eliminate things like anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, and filthy speech. Now I want to take just a minute and look at those things, things like anger, and rage, and hatred. When we get mad, when we rage, when we hate, who are we actually mad at? It may appear that we're angry with other people or angry at ourselves, but deep down, after you peel back all the layers of the onion, I believe We're angry and filled with rage and hate against God. I mean, think about it. When you get cut off in traffic or when you don't get a parking place that you want or when you get a bad report that your kid's done something wrong or whatever, many times, if not every time, we're angry. We may not say to God we're angry at God, But the anger that we have, the rage or the hatred, is because we think God could do something about it. God could have prevented it. God could have kept it from happening or made it not happen. And he should do that for us because we love him and we're good. And we're mad because he doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that's always true about you or me, but I've come to realize it is true a good deal of the time. Now, God's not upset with us when we get angry with him. God's not going to punish us because we're upset with God. God teaching us that when those things happen, he doesn't like those things either. He's angry with those things either because they hurt us, and he wants to help us see what's actually going on. Colossians 3, verse 8. 
the mirror says, now, because you realize that you actually died and were raised together with Christ, you can flush your thoughts with truth. Permanently put those things that are in your mind behind you. Things like violent outbursts of rage, depression, all manners of wickedness, slander, every form of irregular conversations. That lifelong association with those types of things is broken. The dominion of the character of God is now revealed again in our lives. So when we understand that the real us is not like that anymore, we can just flush those things from our thoughts and not have those thoughts of anger and rage. Now, I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm not even saying it's simple to understand. But I am saying it is possible. In Christ, in God, with God, all things are possible. And when we understand, boy, I thought for the longest time I couldn't change. I had a terrible temper. And early on in my marriage, my wife said that you've got to change. I can't keep on going on like this. And I got really, really mad. Surprise, surprise. And I said, you knew I was like this before we got married. I can't change. Why are you asking me, trying me to get to change from who I am? Well, I was totally and completely wrong. (laughs) I was right to the extent that I couldn't change on my own, in my own effort. I was right about that, but I was wrong that I couldn't change because God changed me. Am I perfect now? Of course not. But boy, I get mad a whole lot less than I used to, and I get over it a whole lot quicker than I used to. All right. Now we're to put off all those things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouth. Why do we do those things? Why do we say those things? Well, many times it's because we're mad at God. Many times it's because we want to put other people down to make us look good. There's a whole combination of things, but none of them have good results. Verse 9, Paul says, That old life was a lie, foreign to our design. Those garments of disguise are now thoroughly stripped off of us in our understanding of our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. We're no longer obligated to live under the identity and rule of the robes that we wore before. Neither are we cheating anybody through false pretensions. Lay aside those things. Just let them go. And we can do that. We literally relocate ourselves. Verse 10 says, We stand fully identified in the new creation, renewed in knowledge according to the pattern of the exact image of our creation. Passion says, You have acquired new creation life. And that's true. We all have, whether we know it or not. Which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created us, giving us the full revelation of God. Now we're leading up to Colossians 3.11, which is, to me, the penultimate verse in this passage, one of the best, most important verses in all of Scripture. It's really important. Colossians 3.11. The revelation of Christ in us gives identity to each of us beyond anything we could ever be as a Greek or a Jew or American or African or foreigner or famous or male or female or king or pawn. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is represented in Christ, not just seeing Christ recorded in history, but seeing Christ revealed in us. 
In this new creation life, the Passion Translation says, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity, education, or economic status. They matter nothing. It is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. When we start to see that we're all one, we're all related, we're all connected, Christ is in everyone. Papa is the father of all people. We're all brothers and sisters. We are one. Christ is in us. When we start to see that in everyone, our anger, our rage, our holding grudges, our comparison, our exclusion, all of those things melt away into God's warm embrace of love. Companion verse, there's Ephesians 4, 6, where Paul says this about God. There is only one God. He remains the ultimate father of the universe. We are because he is. He is present in all people. He is above all people, through all people, and in all people. And that, of course, goes with the companion verse where Paul said in Acts 17, 24 to 28, to people who'd never heard of Jesus, he said, he's not far from each one of us. In him, we live and move and have our being. We are God's offspring. He's the perfect father of all who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. And once we understand that's true not only about us, but about everybody else, boy, that takes away just all kinds of behavior that's not good, all kinds of thoughts that are not good. Verse 12, you are the product of God's love. That's you. He restored you to his original thought. You belong to him exclusively. It's like changing garments. Now that you've gotten rid of the old, clothe yourself with inner compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, just like you were once identified by your apparel. The characteristics of those qualities no longer define you. You are always dearly and deeply loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God. You've been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Amen. And we can do that through Christ who lives in us. Upholding one another in positive expectation, when you find fault with another person, restore that person to favor, remembering how the Lord's forgiveness has transformed our lives. Wear love like a uniform. This is what completes the picture of our oneness. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Want to know how to be a mature person, a mature, quote, Christian, unquote? Love. Love God. Love yourself. Love everybody else. And the last verse for today. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. There's only one body. We're all one. We're all together. We are born to be a blessing and to exhibit God's benevolence to all people. These words are a real encouragement to me. I I hope they are to you too. And I hope that as they are, that you all will take the opportunity to let me know what God's saying to you and how he's encouraging you and blessing you through these podcasts and videos that I do, because I don't know who's listening. I don't know your names or who you are or where you are, whether you're listening on a podcast or watching on a video. 
And I, I would love to know. So make a comment on whatever format it is, whatever platform it is you are. If, if you know me, send me a note and let me know. I appreciate that. I like to know whether or not these things are being helpful and who they're being helpful to. So, hey, thanks, everybody. I love you all. I'll see you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.